are listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being here with us. On this edition of the podcast, RA's partnership with Black Minds Matter continues. Black Minds Matter is a charity on a mission to connect black individuals and families with free mental health services by professional black therapists. Every month in 2021, we'll celebrate a Black-owned creative electronic music project by hearing their story on the podcast, on the site and by offering some financial support. You can find the full details of RA's partnership with Black Minds Matter at ra.co forward slash about forward slash community. So let me fill you in on this month's episode. Vanessa Maria is back to interview writer, DJ and founder of Intervention, Yawande Adeniran, also known as Ifelua. I try to like really think about the music I play and think about why I play it. And so when I put together a mix, it's not just like, oh, like this is just a load of bangers. It's like, no, I've actually sat down. I've been like, what am I trying to portray through this mix? What am I saying? And who am I saying it to? Intervention is an online and offline space. They host DJ and production workshops for marginalised people. They put on parties, curate a guest mix series and recently released a compilation which featured tracks by Lee Gamble, Lorraine James and India Jordan. In this conversation, you'll hear Yawande and Vanessa speak about the intersection of philosophy, culture and music about the mathematics behind an Ophelia DJ set and about the significance of rest when you're simultaneously navigating the music industry and also stepping up as a voice for the voiceless. What's good? It's Vanessa Maria here and I'm welcoming you back to another special edition of RA Exchange in collaboration with Black Minds Matter. I'm a DJ, broadcaster and digital marketeer at Sony for Black Butter Records. And today I'm joined by the most talented and most lovely Yuande Adeniran. Yuande is an artist, academic, writer, DJ, radio host, head of new label, Paddy, and the founder of Intervention. As a DJ, Yuande is regularly heard on airwaves via the NTS show 404 and they work as a freelance music journalist for Mixmag, The Wire, Insert, Galdem and Bice. I'm so honoured to be joined with you right now. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I don't know if you remember, but we were meant to link up about three years ago in Bristol. Um, I invited you down to 1020. Do you, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah, it feels like a free, like a full circle moment to be finally like joined with you and to connect properly. Yeah, yeah, it's been so long since that moment as well. So much has happened. Yeah, fill me, fill me in. What has been happening since then? So that's that's about three years ago. How how has how has life taken in mad mad directions? So I did my masters in Manchester after doing one in Bristol. Then I started my PhD in October. That just went past. Um, finally got to play before the pandemic um, in Europe which was like so much fun 
and just writing more, exploring more artistic things as well, trying to get into more visual kind of projects, which I've always wanted to do, and like moving image, shooting and like old school film. So yeah, so it's been like a really tough but great creative process the last few years. How has it been moving into visual, like moving images? Um, at first it was quite tricky because I'm used to doing like photography. So it's a still, you kind of have like the subject and then that's it. Moving image, I really had to like expand the way I see the world around me and even like my relationship to music. Because instead of music being at the kind of forefront of a creative project, it kind of had to sit alongside something and kind of match. Um, so that's been, yeah, that's been really good. That's amazing. So I guess you've always wanted to get into music and the creative side has, has always, have you always wanted to be creative and go into like music, um, moving images or has music always been at the forefront? Yeah. Um, so I was part of the Future Film Institute at the BF5 um, when I was at college. So we used to make mini documentaries, kind of assist on some of them that were in London, go to different film festivals. And I've played instruments growing up. So I played like guitar, bass, violin, piano. And it got to a moment um, when I was at college, not in visual arts, where we had the option of combining them. And I don't know if you remember Kidhood. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love Kidhood. Um, but Noel Clark was doing like kind of talks in London at that point when I was at college. And that's what inspired me. And obviously, like even things now like Top Boy, that sort of thing, trying to like merge like where I'm from and tell my story through that sort of medium. Yes. And Top Boy is so linked with music, the culture, um, yeah. London culture. Like, how, what, where does culture come into it for you when we're looking at? music, moving image, and I guess the creative process. Yeah, um, so for me, culture underpins everything I do. Like I try and have an honest approach. Like when I was younger, maybe 18, 19, I kind of naively thought that if you wanted to make it in the industry, in the creative arts, you had to do what was like trendy, like what was big at that time. And it felt really inauthentic. It just wasn't good to be honest, because it wasn't, because my heart wasn't in the right place. I wasn't able to concentrate. And as I got a bit older, I realized that if you want to make something that's actually good, like, like you need to think it's good, like you need to believe in it. Like, cause if someone else doesn't, it's not really about them. It's about you expressing yourself. Um, and that's what I'm really trying to focus now is combining like all the things I've learned about Black British history, for example, that I've been like teaching myself the last few years and all the skills that I've like learned in more professional settings as well. Because um, I do feel like it's a really good moment now to be doing quite DIY things because we have had to like adapt to like the pandemic and whatnot. Um, yeah. Definitely. And I think DIY hits the spot, uh, especially when it comes to the lockdown and quarantine. I think people have become more resourceful um, and more innovative with the ways that they're working. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Have you found that for yourself as well? Yeah, like I found myself looking at kind of like possible digital realities and thinking about how to forge communities online, um, which is how I expanded intervention in the first place. 
because um, when I moved to Bristol, I moved for my undergrad in philosophy. And as you can imagine, it's like just mostly white people. Like I was the only dark-skinned black person. There was one mixed race person on it and it was so alienating. And I had to just like find a community. I had to like build things just so I just wouldn't kind of like have a breakdown every few months. And I think that's what the pandemic has really taught me as well is how important those things are, especially from like an accessibility point of view. Like some people can't physically get to spaces and, and they're still part of the world. They're still part of society. Like they're all around us and like it's really really important that we include those people as well definitely you mentioned intervention and you mentioned community which I think is really special because I got into DJing through intervention I don't know if you know but intervention was the first (laughs) DJ workshop that I ever went to um and for, for those that don't know what is intervention first and foremost um so intervention started in 2016 um, and I just played my first gig um, at Rywax, supporting Machine Women. It Jeez. was like, yeah, yeah, it was mad. Like, like when I think back to it, it's actually kind of crazy that I hadn't really touched decks before. I didn't really know how to DJ, but I just like went with my really heavy bag of records, stumbling into Rywax, played a load of tunes. And it was such a liberating moment for me because I played genres that really meant a lot like I played like jazzy ballroom so I played like a lot of black queer music played really heavy slamming techno so obviously influenced by like the club culture from like point like 2012-2014 and then just merged them together to me like that set is what sounds like me and I wanted more people to have the opportunity because I started clubbing um, maybe not legally (laughs) but 2010 and with like cable dubstep and it just wasn't diverse at all and that's London as well mm-hmm. um and that really played on my mind like like when I was playing to the crowd who was supportive I was just looking like not many people here look like me and then when I like made a group on Facebook and I was like oh is anyone else feeling like this and loads of people were so I thought like there really needs to be a space where people feel comfortable and they can make mistake, like mistakes, they can like grow together. Um, and one of my friends, Patrick, let me use his studios. That's where the workshops have been. So that's where Patrick, you yes, yeah, Patrick yeah. from Bristol. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it kind of just expanded from there. Like, so other people in different cities contacted me. So I've done workshops in Sheffield, in Leeds, in Manchester, obviously in London as well. And yeah, just kind of snowboard from there. And the one thing that really stood out for me when it came to intervention was obviously it's offered it's it's offering free production classes, DJ workshops for all more marginalized communities, which I think is just amazing. And also, it's across the UK, and I feel like you don't really see those pop up a lot of. Um, a lot of workshops, a lot of events are very London centric, and um, the create the creative art the hub for for creative arts is London um, and I've always felt that it needed to be decentralized so when I saw that all of these intervention classes were popping up I was like yeah this is exactly what we need was that something that you did intentionally yeah 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 100% um, and it did stem from what I was saying earlier about the online communities because people are oh, like I wish something like this was in my city and it just kind of like drove home the necessity of it 
and like being from London like there are opportunities um, a lot of the time they do obviously go to the same demographic but at least they're there and at least you can aspire to like just do other things but when I moved to Bristol there wasn't anything like that like I didn't really see opportunities and I can vouch for that yeah, I was when I was in yeah, Bristol. God, I was like, there is nothing here. Like, there was Ujima Radio, and mm-hmm. there was Ten Twenty Radio, and obviously you have Nudes. Shout out to Nudes, and now we have like Swoo um, FM. But there was, there's not like any sort of space for people to go to to learn. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I, I am noticing a shift now as well, even with um, the youth music. Um, initiative um, fund that they set up where they've got different kind of collectors, record labels, um, organisations to be part of it. There is like a more like a focus on entry level positions and kind of helping young people from every demographic break into it. And I think that's that's kind of like where we're heading towards, which is good. Yeah, there was, I saw a programme rolled out by Crack Magazine and was it was it Saffron Records? I don't know if they um, they collaborated, but they had like entry role positions for Bristol-based um, creatives, which I thought was um, incredible. Um, so I, f- I, I think there is, there's change happening and that was a, a part of the youth music um, rollout. Um, I, also, I also just wanted to go back to the intervention classes and just ask how you set those up. Like, did you, was it, was, was it difficult? Did you just think, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to go to Bristol, I'm going to go to Manchester, I'm going to, do you know, it just seems like a big operation and the fact that you, you completed it and made it happen is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. so, so, so I'm I'm really going back into my memory because that was like the very, very, very early days and the kind of idea behind it was we have two vinyl decks and we have Serato Scratch and basically people bring a USB and they basically, like I try and like emulate a club environment and then people kind of get that experience. I hear you. And was it difficult to to reach out to communities in those different cities? Because I can imagine, for me, when I moved from London to Bristol, it took a while for me to understand like who, I guess the community leaders were, like who I could talk to, 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 to like book certain spaces. Um, and it was hard to like get, get immersed. And I felt like until you met the right people, you didn't really make those steps or it was difficult to like open those doors. Um, how were you like received in like the different cities that you went to and um, was it difficult? Did you face any challenges? So in Bristol, um, it was difficult. Um, Cause generally anywhere you go, people aren't receptive to change when you're kind of proposing to people that the way they're doing things is perhaps not the right way, a lot of people are angry. And especially before we had these kind of um, public conversations, like like before last summer with BLM, to try and say to somebody that they have privilege, they're gonna be like, but what are you on about? Like, I didn't grow up with money. Like I'm not, like I'm not a CEO of a company and it's like, okay yes that's true but you're afforded the benefit of the doubt and so like if it's like if I try and even I tried to book venues in Bristol I used to get laughed at and that was the beginning of intervention mm-hmm. um people were like oh yeah but like we 
don't do like private parties here or like do you even know how to throw a club nine it's like yeah I threw my first club nine in 2013 like I'm doing it um and but but even those instances which are actually really horrible drove me to do more to like look outside that to look towards other parts of the city to do things in and that's how I stumbled across um the Bristol People of Colour group and a lot of them are still my friends to this day and that was how I started to speak to people people of colour especially who are from Bristol and ask them what they needed and what they wanted me to do and and what skills they had even and so intervention then turned into a skill sharing thing it's like people would come at the weekend and some people just needed a photographer and then we would like find somebody who needed press photos taken for example and we would link them together so we started doing that so it became more of like a social space as well which is what I actually really miss about intervention during the pandemic is that sense of the socializing but also that community that you've built yeah yeah because yeah. then other people started bringing other people and then the words were spread around Bristol and every time we put on the workshop we would have to increase the time as well so so like before we would have two sessions and then like six months later we were then doing six sessions because because there were just so many people that wanted to do it listen I remember when those slots opened I was on Facebook like <laughs> me <laughs> I was trying to grab a slot as fast as possible, but they sold out really quick. They were, they were gone. They're absolutely gone. Um, and yeah, it was, I think also just being taught by DJs that you'd see play that nights out just, you know, mm -hmm. the day before and you'd see them and they'd be like, Hey, it was just so nice. And I feel like it took away that, um, the nepotism because everyone was just on an equal playing field. Um, what does community mean to you in, in those spaces um as cheesy as it sounds everything um because being a creative can be really lonely as well can be really isolating because you are just focusing on what you're doing and even if you collaborate with someone it's just you or a few people but building that community I've, I've actually found helped my mental health a lot because you can then find people who are going through similar things to you and so before I like found the Bristol people of colour group I was just going like a bit insane at uni being like what on earth is going on here because when because when you apply to uni especially like they sell you the dream of diversity of inclusion and you get there and like, you know it's fake but then a little part of you really wants it to be true and and obviously it's not and, and I didn't have a community like when I first came to Bristol but then like once you do build those connections and like start creating different kind of relationships, it's so, so powerful. It can really give you like a real, real sense of self. Definitely. I, I feel like for me, it gives me definitely a sense of self and a sense of belonging because you feel like you're yeah. part of something, don't you? And I think that's been the hardest for me during lockdown because that had just been eradicated, like it was gone we don't have that human connection anymore how you mentioned also that your mental health was in, like really improved like during um the intervention workshops and yeah. in this podcast we've obviously partnered with black minds matter um, and we really want to look at um well-being and touch on that area as well so for you how how do you um, manage or maintain good mental health um i think one thing is rest 
which is a big thing that I've had to teach myself all the time and remind myself to do is taking a step back reflecting and thinking is what I'm doing actually any good for my health um because being involved in music they they do push you to party five days a week and it's just not it's just not manageable for most people and it's just not healthy like like to be drinking doing whatever day after day after day to like six in the morning it's just it's just really hard um so things I usually do is I usually take note and then once I've noticed the pattern of not resting I just have to cancel things I just have to say no and learning to say no um especially like the way that freelancers have to work it's hard but then it also means that you can perform a lot better and, and and even things like um so I used to go to like a few support groups specifically for black people and and even just being in that space like even if I wouldn't say anything because I was like too anxious or too shy that really really helps because you would hear people who've gone through similar things to you and who've survived and who've ended up being able to thrive and it's just really powerful I want to touch into a lot of things first of all rest how do you feel like as a black person it's it's hard that that is that's even harder because of um like the whole narrative that you need to work twice as hard I know when I was growing up my parents would be drilling that into me um and it almost it it feels really difficult um have you ever struggled with that or have has rest always been something that's come easily to you? Um, it definitely doesn't come easily. Um, because even when you introduced this podcast and you were like saying all the things I was doing, I was like, this is way too much for one person. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, I need to actually like cut it back a bit. And and I do so many things because I love all of it, obviously, but, but I do still, even to this day, feel that I need to do more. I need to be doing more. And especially after last summer, like I do feel an even heavier weight of if people aren't going to make the kind of changes that we need to see, then people like me need to use their voice and platform to do it. But then as you're doing that, you're burning out. So I usually burn out every six weeks. And it was only, yeah, it's mad. It was only after having COVID and being seriously ill that I had to be like, no, I can't function like this. And it's even a narrative of like, the strong black woman, it's like fine. And the, the kind of stereotype of a strong black woman only benefits everyone else. It, it doesn't benefit black women. And it's even like unlearning the things that we're conditioned to believe are true that are not, that can really just improve your well-being overall. A hundred percent. I think it's the, the it's, it's almost like a, it's a burden, but it's also like this responsibility that you carry on your shoulders. Um, being nurturing like kind bringing everyone up together like looking out being that being the voice for the voiceless um and I feel like black women are always there in the front lines waving the flag but there's no one really there to support um to support you um which is the difficult thing and the burnout I think a lot of a lot of people can relate to that um and it's interesting that it took a whole pandemic to slow, yeah. <laughs> to slow you down. And I feel like a lot of people, like I definitely, it took a whole pandemic for me to be like, whoa, I'm doing way too much. Has it been a blessing in disguise? Um, Definitely, definitely. Even just on the creative side, because I've actually listened to music just for fun. Um, 
because like before I spend hours hours digging being on SoundCloud be like oh this tune's sick it's got 20 views okay cool need to contact like contact them try and get a dub all this and it's like it's 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 unnecessary like we can't live like that we can't function like that and and now I listen to like today I was listening to like Ibiza classics like I'm just more more chill in like the way I approach things the way I deal with things which also means that I can put more energy and love and time into like even just my mixes so I feel like the quality of my mixes has gone up like like everything I write about it's, it's just like like there's more humor behind it because I'm able to not be as stressed as anxious and you're you sort of have the time to enjoy that's what I get from it because you're like cool there's there's no there's not much stress happening at the moment in lockdown so what do I actually want to do what do I want to listen to what do I want to like write about for me I like like, everything you're saying I, I fully relate to it because I would be on SoundCloud and I'd be like oh that's a banger for the club that's something that I can drop oh this will be great for I don't know xyz instead of being like what do I enjoy about that? Like, what do I really want to listen to? What do I, do you know what I mean? I would just be looking for club music. Um, so my music taste actually really changed. Like have, have you noticed a difference? You mentioned like, I guess it's small difference, but have you like noticed like, like a difference in like the energy of like the music that you're like consuming? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I've had more time to reflect on my life generally. So I've gone back to listen to a lot of emo music. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is just like kind of brought back why I loved music in the first place and and what about it inspired me to even try and join the music industry um generally because I always see people tweeting that they listen to really calm music I don't think I do that like I'm still listening to like 160 hard dance like 10 in the morning like I'm still like I'm still (laughs) waiting for the clubs to open safely (laughs) I put on a bit of drill in the morning. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do you know what? Do you feel like when the outdoors open, are you going to, what are you going to miss about lockdown? But what are you most looking forward to? Obviously you mentioned the clubs opening, seeing people. Um, Is there anything else? Um, Two things. Um, Just the energy in the club. Um, Because it's so infectious. It's like, it's like the first wheel out, I'm going to pass out. Like, I don't don't think I'm ready. I'm 100% not ready. Like, for that (laughs) amount of energy to be gassed, to be hyped, to be like, what is this tune? What? And then look around. Everyone else is like, what, 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 what? Like, I miss that. Like, like I miss that mini community feeling that, that you have on the dance floor. Like, I miss it a lot. And obviously, the afters. Um, oh. because my 1020 show is literally just about after just about like the different kind of moods I experience when I'm at them oh I miss it too. and what and what would you what do you think you'll miss about being locked up resting mm. I think it's that I think it's um because I'm able to do more meditation I'm, I'm even able to read more about um Yoruba sp- like spirituality so I'm able to like make those connections with the people who've come before me who've like struggled with like the things that I'm struggling with now like, I'm gonna miss that time to kind of just like try and figure out who I am rather than having to keep going keep going there's like more releases out I need to like make sure that I've got enough tunes for the club this that and the other 
it's setting that foundation for yourself really isn't it like yeah. self-knowledge what do people say self-knowledge is the um the truest form of power yeah to know yourself yeah and when when did that conscious journey really start for you um for me young so I nearly got um expelled from school in year seven because <laughs> I yeah because I tried to hold the protest oh my gosh what did you protest <laughs> um so, so, it's actually a really really serious thing so, so it was um about the racism at school but um I'd like made posters and everything and I remember like going to school the next day being like yeah like I'm on strike like you can't treat me like this so I was the only person it really clear and apparent that I was being singled out every day and I didn't have the kind of like depth of knowledge or understanding that I have now but I knew that it was wrong and that's pretty much where my journey began I think if I hadn't had that moment where it clicked that no this is all mad like life and society can't be like this like like I don't care who said it's like this like to me it's not and it's not going to be then I wouldn't have created intervention like I wouldn't be the person I am today. What strikes me is that you you've had a voice for and you've used your voice since you were very young like year seven is very young to be like no yeah. like I'm going to organize a protest I'm going to show you that you need to back away you know what I'm saying that is so impressive and I and I just I just love that for you how how did you find your voice that young has it been something that you um is that something that in your family like background or or is is that is it just something that you just you have um I think something that I have um because I'm first an immigrant so I grew up here without my parents um and it's only when I've got to like my 20s I realized that I'm very very similar to them or just in the sense of like Nigeria only had independence during my parents lifetime and like things like that and it's like you have to be more conscious of your history because there's like erasure happening right in front of you and they're literally trying to like destroy entire families, entire generations. Just like, just just trying to, yeah, just basically colonialism. <laughs> um, and and I think being away from them, kind of feeling isolated, you start looking inwards, and you start thinking like, why? Almost like existential questions, which probably it's not the best thing to happen. Like when you're like ten. But it's, 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 it's the reason why I did a philosophy degree, because I wanted to know, like, why, why we're here, why things are the way that they are. And philosophy, how does that feed into music and your expression, um, like, musically? Because I think those two are, are very interesting and I feel like there are a lot of connections. So for me, it would be kind of counterculture um so in terms of philosophy I look at a lot of critical theory um which really came to a head in 1960s which obviously we have the civil rights movements different LGBT movements and it was realizing that the information that we're presented about those events is not the truth it's not really what happened like like they whitewash a lot of different things like an obvious example is Martin Luther King and it's like, I've, I've read the entire I Have a Dream speech and 
it's not passive like 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 it's actually really violent like it like it actually incites anger in you incites you to kind of be like I'm not taking this anymore but the way it's presented to us is that he's like a pacifist and we should be gentle with racists and all that and it's just not true and in philosophy you learn how to kind of grapple with that contradictory nature that that you're presented with that's so interesting it's like you're I, I guess it's a lot of to do with like analysis and um it's, it's it's i love i love that you have those like different sides like the philosophy academia academia but also like the music and the djing because um like music is very analytical as well um yeah. especially like i guess pulling together a mix and just understanding like what goes where um and what works together like yeah. it, it will be this it will be a similar skill but in a very different yeah. like capacity and so i tried to like really think about the music I play and think about why I play it um and so when I put together a mix it's not just like oh like this is just a load of bangers it's like no I've actually sat down I've been like what am I trying to portray through this mix like what am I saying and who am I saying it to right. and I think that's that that's kind of like why there's been a slight shift in the way I play music and I think that probably the best example of it is a disco woman mix that I did. Um, because it starts with a black trans woman speaking about her experiences. And this was before I publicly came out as non-binary as well. And, and, and even subconsciously, I was trying to tell the world something about me. And, and it was through like these different artists that I was able to express myself. Mm. It's 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 another language isn't it that's what it is that's that's incredible it's like do you know what like i remember being in bristol uh two years ago and i was at afters and um a friend came up to me and said um you know what i, I, I went i went out last night and i saw like the most amazing dj and i was like oh yeah like who who was it um and he was like um if lua is that and he couldn't he couldn't even he didn't even have to he didn't even have to say the name do you know what I mean and I was like I was thinking oh is that you wanted from intervention um he was like yeah like she had like the crazy the, the way she was mixing like it was so like mathematical like she was like breaking down like the BPMs and like what would work and blah 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 and he was just like in awe of in awe of you you know and that the, the 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 idea of like the how like analytical like the BPMs was and like how you how like that didn't stop you from playing the tune that you wanted to wanted to play really speaks to me especially what you were saying because you're creating an experience for people um, as opposed to um, what fits you're not looking about or like what fits where you're you're actually being like no this is what I want to do and this I'm taking you on a journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always interesting, actually, to hear that people clock the kind of math side behind it. Um, because I do actually carry a calculator um, in case I'm too wave when I'm teaching <laughs> so we can start calculating, like, quickly, like, like, how the different BPMs might go together and then doing, like, time signatures in my head and all sorts. So it's interesting to see that people clock both, like, almost the sociology side with the math side. 
Mm, yeah, he was like, he was feeling it, you know? <laughs> he was feeling it. Um, yeah, and I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I take inspiration as a DJ myself because I'm, I feel like it pushes the boundaries, you know, if, especially if you can, if you can do that and you're not being limited by, by BPM. That's, yeah, that's crazy. I need to start carrying a calculator around. <laughs> I think I might need to do that. <laughs> I'm scared though, if you're waved and you put in like the wrong number or something like. It, it, has, it has happened. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's definitely happened, but you kind of almost go with it. And I think like, even with like the genres you play, you can always, you can always just make a mistake. And I think that's like another thing I've had to learn over the years. It's like, it's all right to make a mistake. Uh, it's like people do it all the time. It's like I've seen like Ben UFO like make mistakes. And I do feel like, so this is a thing that I really try and make sure people kind of hear and understand at Interventionist that it doesn't have to be perfect. And it's like even like the crack mix that I just did, like, like I purposely didn't record it again because I didn't want to submit a perfect mix. Like I wanted to record it one time. This is how I feel at this particular moment. Oh, I'm a perfectionist, so I need, I'm taking notes on what you're saying. It's so true because sometimes those mistakes can be really, really good. And sometimes those are people's favorite moments Yeah. in mixes. And you're like, oh, someone was like, oh, like that mo that one minute 38 or whatever in that mix. And I was like, oh yeah, that was, that was a mistake. <laughs> They're like, no, that was great. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Um, and it, I feel like it can feel like a massive relief as well because that pressure is gone. Yeah. Um, the pressure to make it perfect like you're just doing you um which is which is lovely and I, and you mentioned as well that you started off your is it disc woman mix um with a black trans woman speaking that was that a relief as well to finally put it out there yeah yeah because yeah, i've been thinking about how to say it and and, and just even like how to be within music which is again the philosophy side and 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 like having that track and even all the other tracks that followed like there was a lot of music by queer artists and everything it was just so like for me it was like re-empowering myself um because it's great obviously like things like intervention and, and there's like a few other things like it but then you really also need to make sure that you yourself like like feel inspired by things that you do because I think that's when those really beautiful moments can happen. How do you take inspiration from yourself? Um, I think looking at my journey and looking at how I've survived and what I've done in dark times. Um, and, and just realizing that there's so much out there in the world. And just like, even taking five minutes to be like, to like look at my record bag and be like yeah I remember that tune and like I remember that gig that I saw them play at and this and that and being like oh yeah like, like this is what excites me this is what like drives me to carry on I just I, oh, I just love that I just love it I'm smiling ear to ear because <laughs> I think that's it's just so beautiful to because normally I guess people always talk about what they're inspired by and it's you know an external source of some form people places music um but to to really like think actually like i can take inspiration for myself and it starts f it starts from me first and then i'll branch out um is, is a really lovely way to be 
Um, and I think a lot of people should take note of that and like take inspiration from you and look at themselves first. Cause you forget, you forget how much you've done. What would you say has been the best advice you've ever been given? Bearing in mind that you've just said something beautiful and powerful. <laughs> I think it just has to be from JC Rebel when we played together in Sheffield. And she was like, just keep doing you. She was like, no matter what, just actually keep doing you. And if people recognize or they don't recognize, at least you've been you throughout this whole thing. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, because it sounds so simple. And it's always like the be yourself advice. And everyone's like, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. But it's actually the most solid advice you can be given. Because like once you start to perform in a way that's not authentic, you're given to this whole notion of performativity, even respectability politics, all sorts of things. Like you start feeding into a narrative that's actually oppressing you if you start to just be disingenuous. It's hard to be yourself, but I agree, I think. Once you find comfort in who you are and you find that sense of security um, and that self-knowledge that we were talking about earlier, there's not really much that can stop you. Do you know what I mean? Because that self, then it feeds into like self-belief and um, backing yourself. You're just like, yeah, I've got me and nothing can really phase you because you know that you can handle it. I definitely, I definitely agree. That's, that's very powerful advice. And what would you say then to your younger self at 16? Would you say something, would you just be like, just keep doing you? Would you say something similar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say, just keep being yourself. I, I also will say, dubstep is still going to be sick in 10 years time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something I would 100% say. Um, because I remember many a smoking area chat and it was like, oh, dubstep's going to die, blah, blah, blah. And, and then me being certain, like, no, 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 no. Like, it will be kept alive. And like, just even having that that same passion of being certain of of something is something that you really need to carry with you in life because different situations or events will really test you and really test your beliefs so just like you just have to have to stick by what you think is true and when it comes to like sticking to what you think is true and knowing and finding out truth I feel like it evolves over time and what the, the things that you hold as true change as you as you grow and you learn and um you yeah. do better um and how 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 do you how do you keep evolving how do you keep learning um especially i guess a lot of people right now who are listening might be feeling quite stagnant um in this time in lockdown how do you have i guess i guess it's like a, a growth sort of mindset i think for me personally i've been going through a period of unlearning and I do that through reading history, um, just reading about how we've come to this place, because you can't really look forward without looking back and, and understanding how we got here and what events led up to it. Because it's easy enough like, for us to say about systemic racism, but why is there systemic racism? Why are people systematically oppressed? And without having that kind of knowledge and then how it impacts you as an individual even though it is obviously institutional you can't really grow and and so I'm still unlearning misogyny anti-blackness all sorts because things I believed about myself like they're not true 
they're, they're completely not true. And the purpose that they serve is to make me believe that I should be in an inferior position, which is just not the case. Um, so that's what I hope people took away from last year, from the protests, from people kind of speaking about their experiences, is that it is hard, but once we start doing that process of unlearning, we can learn what it actually means to exist with one another. Once you unlearn, you can move forward, can't you? And yeah. you can, you sort of un, you, you might be caught in a, like a chain, I call it like a chain hold, like a, like a hold, or like something's holding you by, um, by your like shoulders or something. And then like, for me, it's misogyny, <laughs> which I'm, 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 un, I'm trying, I'm unlearned, I'm trying, I'm trying. And once you sort of like go through that, it feels like you're, you're released and everything becomes like lighter, your shoulders, you start relaxing a little bit more. Um, and you're like, oh, maybe I should go for a run in the morning. <laughs> yeah, things just become easier. Self-care definitely becomes easier. Um, I guess that's what I'm trying to Self-care is a really big thing for me at the moment, especially. Yeah, for sure. And unlearning is like, I think people don't, people don't talk about it. That is self-care, 100%. 100%. You're taking care of yourself. Um, and, you know, we've talked about, I guess, unlearning and moving forward. So what is next for you then? What are you looking forward to? Um, so at the moment, I'm still doing my PhD. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting into that properly as well. Because um, I'm basically doing it about how Black British identity has been constructed. Um, so I'm looking at archive material. Um, I'm also going to record some oral histories, interview people. I'm looking at literature, looking at maps, looking at just everything out there that influences our existence. Um, which has also helps me look um, to look deeper and deeper into club culture and the history of that because I feel like I've got a good understanding of US club culture um, but not in the same way about UK and, and I feel like that's a that's just across everything like, like even with race like I feel like a lot of people can point out when something's racist in the US context but we have a very different context here um, so I'm just going to do a lot more kind of learning on learning. And then for intervention, um, more streams, compilation. Um, I also set up a record label called A Paddy. And we're going to have our first release in the next month, which is like really exciting. Um, so just like things like that. And I think just also taking time to rest. Like I've started to put in my diary like rest or like watch Netflix or like buy bubble tea, like things like that. <laughs> I love bubble tea. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely. That is, that's just, that's lovely. And I wish you all the best with Ipadi, with your release, your PhD, which sounds incredible. Um, your journey with intervention. Where can people find you and how can people stay updated with the work that you're doing? Um, best possible places um, Instagram so if you just type in intervention crew spell C-R-U then you'll find it or ifelua underscore one two three four um, just across all the socials as well perfect I just want to thank you so much for joining us today on um, this RA exchange podcast in collaboration with Black Minds Matter no problem thank you so much thank you
thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Yawande Adeniran and Vanessa Maria. We'll have a new episode for you next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in. And if you find something you love, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts as it helps get our stories to more ears. <laughs>